This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, March 6, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. The Pentagon spends hundreds of billions of dollars each year and then tens of billions more in what's known as overseas contingency operations, primarily for unplanned costs of war. But as the war in Afghanistan comes to a close, it's well past time to shut the fund down. Chris Preble, Vice President for Defense and Foreign Policy Studies at the Cato Institute, explains why. When you hear the term overseas contingency operations, it sounds like something that is an emergency, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does. But we've learned over the course of the last uh, 13 years that uh, things that we are planning for are treated as unexpected emergencies and things like that, hence the OCO, the term that's thrown around here in Washington. Um, over the last Uh, 13 years from 2001 to 2014, we have spent uh, $1.5 trillion on the overseas contingency operations of Iraq and Afghanistan. That's in addition to the $6.1 trillion that we have spent in that same period on the so-called base budget, the Pentagon budget, excluding the cost of the wars. So we're talking about real money, even here in Washington. Um, the The latest critique of the, administra- the Obama administration's use of the OCO, the Overseas Contingency Operations Account, is questioning why after next year, for example, or beginning, beginning this year, but starting in particular next year, why do we continue to budget uh, $30 billion for for what's left, which is the war in Afghanistan. Remember, the uh, military component, the combat component of the war in Afghanistan is supposed to end this year. Uh, the, the U.S. is still in ongoing, I don't want to call them negotiations, it's more like public wrangling and name-calling with uh, President Hamid Karzai over a status of forces agreement and other legal protections for troops who remain behind in Afghanistan. We don't know the size of that force. It could be quite small and it won't be very large. So we're talking perhaps a few thousand to maybe 10 or 15,000, I'm guessing. Um, But that begs the question, why even after next year uh, does the administration budget $30 billion? The answer is, it turns out it's in the budget documents. You have to go through some of the footnotes. they committed that they would not spend more than $450 billion between 2013 and 2021. They committed to this a couple years ago. Since we have now already spent uh, $250 billion or so, uh, this is what remains divided by six, basically. is just kind of a placeholder. Uh, in other words, it's a back-of-the-envelope calculation, uh, even an extremely complicated document like the budget, um, and no one really knows. The beauty of this for the White House and for the Pentagon is that the OCO account is subjected to much less oversight and scrutiny by Congress. For one thing, it's exempted from the budget caps that were implemented under the Budget Control Act, and there are some modifications under the so-called the BBA or the Ryan Murray uh, compromise that kind of raised some of the spending caps this year and next. But there's still 
just not nearly as much oversight and and there are no caps. So you can use money that you would have preferred to have spent in the base budget if the caps cut into that budget. Then you can just use the OCO as kind of a massive slush fund to cover some of the things that you, that the Pentagon still wants to buy. There are some politics associated with OCO that are a little bit unique. That is, it is a a ball of money that is specifically for the troops. Correct. Troops in the field. And it, it, that seems, at least over the last decade or so, that seems to have been sort of a trump card when it comes to approving a lot of this money. Sure, because no one wants to be accused of denying the troops in the field everything that they need in order to succeed in their mission. Uh, and I think that's a, a legitimate complaint. On the other hand, the way to prevent them from being put into situations where uh, they they need more than they have is to not put them in the situations in the first place. In other words, no amount of money uh, was going to make the U.S. military able to fix Iraq and now Afghanistan's broken politics. Um, eventually, the American people figured that out. In fact, the American people figured that out sooner than the people here in Washington did. Event now, even the people in Washington have figured that out. Uh, but it's still a lot of money. Uh, and the it's it is it's easy enough to think about it in terms of the troops and in terms of and some of the money is used to pay for for example additional end strength that is additional people in the army active duty army personnel some of the remainder that's left over is is used to to fund some of that which makes sense if these people are you know, we have a larger army because they're fighting the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. But it's much more than that. So, for example, even after the war ends, the administration says, well, some of the money, we will continue to need OCO money because uh, the, the wear and tear on vehicles and equipment and like that has to be recapitalized, repaired, or new, new materials purchased to replace the, those that were damaged or destroyed, uh, that too should be covered by OCO funding. And you can see how quickly an account that is supposed to be very specifically for wartime expenditures can become a kind of catch-all uh, playground for, for anyone who has a pet project to fund. And specifically money that should be used for things that were not anticipated. That were not anticipated. That's exactly right. So, uh, you know, there are a number of instances where um, the, you know, particular equipment that we needed or didn't have and we discovered that we needed it, like the, the most kind of famous example is the mine-resistant ambush protected vehicle, the MRAP, which was a you know a special kind of armored vehicle that was used in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, that was the kind of thing that wasn't anticipated, wasn't budgeted for in the base budget, and, and, and at least part of that, I, f I suspect a fair amount of that is paid for by the OCO. Um, but going forward, if we're not building new MRAPs, and we're not, uh, and, and those are being drawn down, and we're not repairing those, or we, we don't need nearly as many, so we don't have to repair all of them, uh, what else will that money be used for? Uh, I suspect that the the caps on spending, but especially within the, among the Republican Party, the caps on, on defense spending, military spending, are so unpopular that there will be enormous pressure uh, to, to use that OCO money and even to grow that OCO money because it is not covered by the caps. Uh, and all you have left is a handful of budget scolds, I mean that with a, with a smile on my face, the people I like, who are trying to hold the line on spending. And, and it'll be a fight between 
the so-called defense hawks, the military spending advocates is the better way to describe them, and taxpayer advocates. And that fight will continue this year as it has. Um, and I think it will be fought over the OCO because there's very little flexibility, frankly, in the BCA caps. Should we just get rid of that fund? Yes, we should. It should be done away with, especially after the end of this year when the war in Afghanistan is drawing. So we, we're debating now the fiscal year of 2015 budget. There are a couple months, of course, of fiscal year 2015, where we will still be under the combat mission in Afghanistan, basically October, November, December of this year. Uh, but it's a small amount. And certainly beginning in 2015, uh, we should zero out that account. We should not be holding to this uh, $30 billion placeholder that the administration put in there several years ago because they made an arbitrary commitment, and it was, nothing more than an arbitrary commitment, that we will not spend more than X amount. Well, in fact, there's nothing wrong with saying, well, we were wrong and we, we, we exaggerated that and we're going to return that money to taxpayers. Again, that's the kind of concept that isn't very popular in Washington, but isn't popular basically everywhere else. Chris Preble is Vice President for Defense and Foreign Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. You can order his book, The Power Problem, at Cato.org.